This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, we chat with one of our best analysts on BYU TV. She's been doing women's hoops on BYU TV since 2005. She's broadcast several NCAA tournaments as well on Westwood One. A former Boise State and BYU player after she found the light, who somehow married into a family that's related to Glenn Kozlowski. She is my homie, Kristen Kozlowski. Kristen, what's up? Hey, thanks for having me. So excited to be here and chat with you. Yes, we used to party more. We did, uh, yeah. I, I called more games, women's basketball games. We that, that, The first game that I did play-by-play to on BYU TV was with you. It did was, you, did yeah. You know, yeah. You know what, one that stands out in my mind is that one that we called, I think it was in 2008, it was BYU versus UConn. And we did a Gino, UConn game. Yep, Gino Ariema coming to the Marriott Center, and, and it was Maya Moore at the time, who's yes. one of the greats that ever played there, but... That was a fun atmospheric, fun game to call, but we've called a few good ones together. You only lost by like 50. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a 50 point. I don't remember that part, right? It, it was 40 or 50, and I remember before the game thinking, and we're going to talk about you here, but this is just a fun moment from that, where I, where I was like, hey, if my more dunks, we, oh, might I know. On, we might be on Sports. We were Center. anticipating that, right? We were hoping to be yes. on Sports Center. So it was like in, anything, yes. a turnover, BYU, just, just give her something so that we could get that dunk. She had a one-on-none breakaway. Yeah. And I remember my saying something like, Maya Moore goes up <laughs> for the layup. I was like disappointed. Yep, yep. Oh, come on. Yeah. But yeah, it's been a it's been a fun journey here the last, you know, what, fourteen years or so. And you're still here doing it. That was year four yeah. for you. And now you're you're year still going. Yeah, it's hard. You're sixteen. Hard to believe that I've been doing this sixteen years. So I graduated in 05 and then kinda jumped right into it and initially right out of college I wanted to coach and so I was thinking that's my path and that's exactly what I'm going to do and so I interviewed uh, for the Westminster job and for Dixie State and both those jobs at the time talking with the AD it was kind of a shoe-in they were just like you're perfect for it we don't see any issues and I'd even talked to Jeff Judkins about it and he said yeah I've talked to them they love you and and somehow that door closed they handed it off to somebody else and so that was kind of a frustration point for me when both of those doors closed, thinking, you know, this was my future. This is what I want to do. Why is that not staying open for me? And so within a week of that happening, I actually got a call from Jason Parker. I don't know if you know who that was, but he was the producer at the time here at KBYU. Are you and saying if I knew who that was? Yes. That was the guy who hired me here. Yes. So you yes. do know Jason. Oh, uh, Jerem. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> can you call some games with Kristen? Yes. Uh, she's really good. He is awesome. And so he <laughs> he was the one at the time when I was a senior player yeah. that he do all kind of the media interviews he'd handle the camera as well and kind of multitask and so got to know him when I was a senior and captain for the team and so he said hey you're at the top of my list when he called and he said I want you to try this color analyst and see if it's something you'd like to do and so that very first game that I did and it was a handful of games that year was with Holly Rowe who is very famous sideline reporter at ESPN and so she kind of helped me get my start and you know kind of put the bug in my ear that you should do this you should stick with it so it's been all downhill for Holly after BYU, too. She just really hasn't <laughs> That's right. Didn't done go anywhere. anything, you know, that mattered. The just Jazz, kidding. ESPN. She's yeah. killing it. She's the best, you know. She's great. So, in 05, you just go, oh, okay, let's go back to coaching. You, you're like, I want to be a coach. You already knew, like, when you were a player, hey, this is what I want to yeah. do post Absolutely. Career. How, I just, how'd you know that? I just think I studied the game a lot as a player. I really 
really loved like diving into scouting reports and the X's and O's. And there was an element where I think my mind took me a little further than at times my athleticism did because I wasn't the tallest. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't, you know, going to blow you out of the water in terms of speed or anything like that. And so I really had to study the game to have an edge on my opponent. So I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed picking apart teams and and personnel and knowing that. And so that's kind of what took me to the thought process of, I would love to teach this to other players or, or be a coach and, and just knowing the mindset that I had at that time. So when those door closed, it was kind of puzzling. And then I get that call from Jason Parker and it was really the door closing, but then another one opening that I never envisioned was going to kind of be my path. Hmm. In college, I studied psychology. So I never took a broadcast course and never took a communications course. Don't tell anyone, it doesn't yes, matter. Yes, that's right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I just think that that door opened and it was something that I, again, kind of poured my mind into in terms of my study and my prep and, and what I poured into it to get better every single game and then yeah. invest in not only the game outside of what I was doing, but be able to market myself and, and get into. So from there, after doing a couple of years at BYU, KBYU at the time, I got into BYU radio and I've done, I did that for four to five years. And play then by play, right? Play by play. One man yeah. band. Yeah. So back so, when some radio games were broadcast. Right. So Jay Monson at the yep. time was, was carrying some games. And so I yep. had t- contacted Bruce Seeley and just said, Hey, can I get into doing some color with him? And, Jay Monson was on his way towards retirement. He had mm-hmm. called a lot of games over the years. And, and oh, a million here at BYU. So, um, the 70s and 80s. And yeah. And I had the opportunity to work with Jay for uh, about a year or two doing color. And then they asked me if I would take over and do play-by-play. So I traveled with the women's team at the time for a couple of years. And then I also did a lot of uh, BYU men's volleyball, women's you'd, you'd volleyball. Yeah, yeah I would do softball. I yeah. did soccer. So did a lot of things out of my comfort zone early on to try to push me and get better. I've kind of now back to just doing women's basketball, but um, that's mostly been due to just my craziness at home with the five kids and trying to keep up with that as well. Yes, five kids, the starting five, of course. Yes. Let's go. Um, okay, so you want to be a coach. That doesn't happen. Who's the analyst when you're playing that isn't the analyst in 05 when you take over? Do you uh, remember who it was? Who, who I took over for? Yeah. I don't remember. I know that I did a couple games with Chris Twitty. Yep, as play-by-play. Yep, uh, but I don't remember who, who yeah. left or moved on to another one. I know Andy Toulson was around. He did yeah. some games as well. We didn't have a woman doing women's basketball, no. right? No, it we was Holly. Holly. Holly was really the only yeah. one, and as she was play-by-play. By play. Correct. Not analyst and not sideline. Yeah, she was but there was play. no color at the time that was a woman. It, it was definitely... Yes, and that's been really important. We don't have that on every sport we do. But most of them, and that's been something we've thought about, especially as we evolve here, right? It's, it's important to have that voice in that space, sure. which has been awesome. Okay, so when you get that gig, are you like, this is a temp thing? Or are you like, no, this is mine until I let it go? Oh, I think I definitely question, uh, should I be doing this? I'm not <laughs> sure you got the right person. And you know, as well as I do, you get there and it's a whole new experience where yeah. you're like daring the headlights initially. You're like, can we do a retake on that one? Got another retake when you're doing our stand-up, but... Once that game's live, it, it kind of came natural to me. I think the the whole prepping before and doing all that built up some anxiety a little bit. But when you're just calling action and you've played through all of those X's and O's, and I know Judkins so well because I was just coming off a year playing for him, it kind of he, came. He's a young BYU coach at this point, at right? that like point, fifth or yes, sixth year, uh, right? yes. So yeah. I I've pretty much been with Jeff Judkins from the start. I mm. mean, he came in in 01. I transferred from Boise State in December of 01. 
And then I played for him, and I've been with him on the broadcast ever since. Wow. It's yeah. you and Jody and the horses. That's right. You know? That's right. <laughs> I've ridden a lot of his horses. That's yep. awesome. Yep. He has a bunch, right? He does. I think he was telling me it's six right now. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. So I've asked him before, was harder to wrangle the horses or the team? And he's like, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, both, <laughs> both have their equal challenges, right? Yes, 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 exactly. Okay, so when, when you're uh, starting to be an analyst, does that scratch the itch enough for you from a basketball sense? Because you wanted to be a coach. That's like full immersion, right? Being an analyst, you're jumping in, home games only. At this point, it's some games, not all games. Now we do all games on uh, BYU TV or the app, right? Uh, as you've grown up, perhaps, you know, the desire changes with kids and the schedules and whatnot, but did that scratch the itch enough for you? Does it still to this day of, of that, like, player-coach mind? Well, I still coach, but I coach Your my kids. children. Yes. Okay. So, so it's so different, you're right? It. Yes. So I yes, gotcha. I've got four boys, one girl, and those four boys all active in sports. And if they're on a basketball team, I'm coaching as much as I can to help them. I followed my older son, who's now a sophomore, but coached him all through fifth through eighth grade on his travel nice. team and and helped him. And so I, I think it'll always be there, just because you you see things differently after having played and now analyzing the game. And so you want to be able to portray and help them, you know, as a player. But uh, to coach at the college level, I think it scratched that itch because I see the demand that goes into it and the oh, time yeah. and, and how much they have to put in away from their families. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that uh, once I started having my kids, that just wasn't the path I was going to go down. So in hindsight, looking back, I was grateful that that door closed and this door opened to be able to be closer to home and be in Provo most of the time. And, you know, we travel in March. March is kind of the busier time when we go down and call the WCC tournament. And But um, right now, being able to be where I'm at with the five kids and as busy as I am, it, it's been a really big blessing in my life. So you can get it in various ways. Yes, that's, that's yeah, good. absolutely. There's some there's a diverse portfolio there, if you will. Okay, so um, where do you grow up? Where are you born? Well, I, I might be two different things. Yes, right. I was born at LDS Hospital right there in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake. Yep, but I uh, grew up mostly up in Centerville. A big chunk of my life was in Centerville. Viewmont. And, yes, went to Viewmont, a Viewmont Viking up there, and so I was raised nice. up there, close to the mountain, right by the V, just underneath the V. If you're mm. familiar with that, and. We had dirt bikes and rode all around that V. And, you know, I, I had a an older brother that I was close to, about two years apart, a younger brother I was close to. And then there was kind of a gap and then three more kids. So I've, I've got, there's six siblings, but my youngest brother is 16 years apart from me. And he's wow. currently at BYU on an academic scholarship. And so there's a little bit of diversity, right? Yeah, awesome. he's still in college. And, um, but yeah, I was, I was really close to the older you know, the older kind of grouping, if you will, my older brother and then the one close to me and, and did a lot with them. And they, they kind of got me going early in sports because they were so active. And that's where I started because I was trying to do everything my brothers were doing. And, and um, my older brother played at the U. He actually played for Rick Majerus up at the U. And that's where my relationship started with Jeff Judkins mm. and why I came to BYU's because Brad goes to the U, plays for Majerus, and we got to know Jeff Judkins while he was up at the U. What years is this? So my brother graduated from Beaumont in 1998. He played with Alex Jensen. If you'll remember Alex Jensen, oh, and yeah. now coach for the Jazz. So he, uh, Jensen was two years older than him. So my brother graduated in 98 and then moves on to go play for Utah right after that. So right after they go to the Final Four yep. and all that. Yeah. It's an exciting time yes. at Utah. That's wild. Okay, so uh, when was when was basketball a thing for you? And you just said you were influenced by your brother, right? Yeah. So he started earlier on than I did, and I watched kind of from the sidelines. I yeah. tried my hand at dance. I tried my hand at other things, and that mm-hmm. clearly was not 
Did you get My too path. tall at some point? <laughs> I was always tall. I was always a head taller than everybody else. And I think my mom initially uh, wanted to pursue whatever I was, you know, invested in at the time. But the minute I hit seventh grade, eighth grade, and I saw that my, you know, maybe that potential might be there because I had some friends that were playing junior jazz or whatnot, tried out for the volleyball team, tried out for the basketball team and made it. And that, that was really where I started. I hadn't put a ton of time in up to that point. So made the team in junior high. and for then both? Yep. Both sports hadn't played till seventh, I believe it was seventh or eighth grade, and then so um, you're super raw at this point. Super raw. Do you yeah, have a basketball taller, hoop? taller than everybody. We had yeah. a, we had a hoop on the side of our house, and we'd go play out there and You'd shoot occasionally. Or yeah, whatever. and yeah. and my mom saw some aggressiveness in me, and then obviously the side. I've never said, seen that, by the way. Just so yeah. You know. <laughs> well, on the sideline, it's a little different, right? You put a ball in my hand, it's yeah, that it'll come different. out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we played a lot on the side of the house, a lot of late night pickup stuff with just me and those two brothers, and you know some of the neighbor kids, but. Um, it, it was something that kind of flourished pretty quickly because from there you kind of start to see, oh, I can go somewhere with this. Right. And I think that was eye opening for me that as you start to get better and you start to want to dominate your opponent, then it was like, well, I can get to college maybe. Yeah. Let's pursue this. So I, I played club volleyball and I played club basketball and traveled a lot. I was going from one practice to the next and it was similar for my brother. So it was natural for my family. This is just what you did. When are you deciding, hey, it's basketball? Could you have played college volleyball? Yes. So I had, I had offers for oh. both. From who? Uh, well, K-State offered me to go play volleyball and basketball, Colorado oh, nice. State. Yeah. And so I was more of a homebody kid. And I think, you know, my brother being offered from the U, I thought, oh, I'm going to go to the U. I'm going to go to the U. And they heavily recruited me. But at the end of the day, they, they offered another player and so never did. And I think that kind of stung a little bit because we were Utes at heart at mm. that point, just following <gasps> my brother. I know, right? Um, and then um, I was recruited by BYU as well. Just didn't feel like it was the right fit for me. And then when I had met um, Trisha Stevens at the time, who was the coach at Boise State, it just felt felt right and felt like I was going to be an immediate impact player and not sit the bench for a couple of years. And that's kind of why I followed that course to go up to Boise State. Okay, so you get to Boise State. You're playing basketball. That's right. You end up transferring to BYU. Yes. Yeah. Mid-semester? So I went up to Boise State, played my freshman year, got a lot of time my freshman year. Um, And uh, the atmosphere off the court was not what I had envisioned for college, for me, and and maybe the morals that I had as a person. And so it just was not going the way I wanted. And then the end of my freshman year, I injured my knee. So I injured my left knee just on a pivot, kind of a weird cut. No one was around me. Um, Mm. And at the time, there wasn't a ton of research on this IT band injury. And so at the time, the the doctor's saying, oh, we got to do surgery. We got to do an IT band release. We got to get in there and get some stuff out of there. And and I probably should have just done physical therapy to kind of heal that. But so that set a course of more surgeries over the course of my playing career. So I have a surgery at the end of my freshman year. And I'm having to redshirt that sophomore year because of the surgery. Mm. So coming into my sophomore year, I knew I wasn't going to play that year at Boise State uh, under medical redshirt. And in November, I believe it was, it could have been December of that year, which was in 2001, BYU traveled up there to play the Broncos. And Jeff Judkins was the new coach at that time. And so my family said hello to Juddy and, you know, talking with Juddy, something just kind of clicked for me and went, Maybe this is, is a different path that I need to follow because I saw how that team interacted. Mm. It just, there was something that went off in my head that just went, I need to, I need to see if this is an opportunity where I could mm. transfer. Because I wasn't completely happy if it was State at this time. And Part you're of it, hurt, so right. you're probably zooming out a little bit. Yeah, and so yeah. you're thinking bigger picture and yeah. where, where am I going to be happiest? 
um, we had already formed that relationship with Jeff Jeffkins because of my brother Brad. So um, when when they left and they beat Boise, when they left, I believe my mother or yeah, my mother was the first one to call him and just say, would there be an opportunity for her if she transferred? And he said, yes, there would. So I ended up transferring mid-season. It was December, um, transferred. And, and Judkins, being the man that he was, he had never seen me play one game because he was involved with men's sports at the time when I was in high school. So didn't see film. He knew who I was, knew my family, but he offered me a scholarship there Sight on the spot. Unseen. Yes, yes. So wow. um, he, he really kind of set the path at here at BYU and just allowed that opportunity for me. And so doors opened again, you know, for wow. being able to play at BYU and, and switch up the culture. And that's your sophomore year while you're recovering Correct. from yeah. so an injury. Halfway through my sophomore year transfer, and then I finished playing three years after that redshirt year. Gotcha. So you come to BYU. So meanwhile, in 01, BYU has, you know, you could argue it's greatest team ever. Yeah. Right. Were you influenced by the success of the team as well? You've yeah. talked about kind of off the court and culture. It helps when the team's good too, I suppose. Yeah, right? that's, Aaron Thorne that's in that a great group team, and, and that you're a part of, right? Aaron Thorne on that group, Jennifer Leitner, Lisa Oscarthorpe, all those players were were great influential players. When I transferred, very welcoming. As soon as I came in, I was I was a part of the team that year, and so the, in December, it's that correct. year. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Same year that they went to the Sweet Sixteen yes. in 2002, lost to Tennessee in that Sweet Sixteen, but. Um, felt welcomed right away, and I knew it was the right decision coming in. And it's hard to sit out. I mean, anybody will tell you that has to redshirt and, and watch from the sidelines. But there's also, if, if you can really buy into being able to study the game and see how you can get better and see it from a different perspective, I, that was the challenge that I challenged myself in just trying to improve so that when I came back that next year, which was my sophomore year, that I could actually play and make an influence. Does the coach desire sort of start at that point where you're sitting on the sideline? No, I think that came a little bit later. Oh, yeah. later, okay. A little bit later because you're so focused on school and you're so focused on, you know, this new environment. And I transfer in December, and within a month I meet my husband. And within so a month? It happened pretty quickly. A classic BYU that's tale. That's right, that's right. So we met a month <laughs> later and married six months later. Oh, you know? my gosh. <laughs> Luckily it worked out. Yeah. Yes. 16, what? yeah, well, it, it worked out. I mean, it <laughs> Well, we'll just say right now it's still working out and, you know, but I was grateful for not, it, it always happens when you don't expect it. Right. And so I sure. was just so focused on transferring and this new school and I don't yeah. know anybody and come across him. And, and, um, so we were actually introduced by George Curtis, the great George Curtis, who was a longtime trainer at BYU and George knew Travis when he was younger. And, you know, so a lot of things going on when I first transferred, but one of which was enjoying that team for sure. That, that was one of the greatest to go to the sweet 16 that year. We'll talk about Travis in a second. Uh, I really like Travis. Um, th- that team was honored this year at halftime of a game. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. It's, it's always cool to catch up and, and see everyone again because everybody's doing their own thing with family, some out of state, some in state. But a lot came. Yeah, busy with life, and it was fun. We did that early uh, January and got together. We were able to take kind of a more intimate dinner where we could sit down together mm. and talk about what everybody's up to we actually did it right after the game so we all went over to Lavelle Edwards Stadium and and ate there and so it was really cool just to share with each other what what everyone's up to and you know it's even though we're separate and we're from afar like there's a lot of support through whether it's through social media or contacting each other every now and then as you're going through the ups and downs of life so that's what's really special is not only did we have success that year but you're still trying to experience that with each other, even though it's, you know, in a different capacity and supporting each other from afar. 
Was that Jody's first year or second year? It's his first year. First yeah, year. Yeah, right into the Sweet 16. Because <sighs> it's what, 2014 or 15? I'm trying to think the other 2014. 14. Those are the two Sweet 16 yep. years. Those are, you know, prior to this year, the, the hands down two best teams in BYU history. Yep. You can argue among them who's better or whatever. Um, but, man, it's just crazy that his first year, bang, that kind of success. Like, what what did what did he help inject into the program that helped it get over the top? Because certainly the team was talented, but you guys weren't going to Sweet Sixteens before. So kind of what changed yeah. that year? Judkins has an incredible mind for the game, and I think Majerus knew that. That's why he tried to cling to him and keep him as his his assistant for so long. He was ten years, I believe, under Majerus, and Majerus had a great mind. So Juddy studying studying under him really helped him, but but he just the X's and O's of understanding the game. And it, it was definitely a transition to go from men to women. He'll tell you that. Because he was what, men's basketball BYU ops director, yes, right? Yes, as he came over, he helped with both teams at the time, that gotcha. first year in, in 2001, and, and then took over completely as the head coach of the women's program in 2001 to 2002 season, which is that Sweet 16 season. And Judd understands the game. He understands what is needed of certain players to get the most out of them, to reach their potential and put them in positions to be successful. He integrated that motion offense and he stuck with it all these years, 21 years later, and and has been able to find players that that suit the offense, um, recruit the top players in Utah. I think that's been key as well. If you're a a big-time school in any state, you've got to be able to land the top players in that state. And he does a great job recruiting. And then he does a great job of just implementing those players and putting them in the right spot. With the Big 12, I've heard this from someone talking to uh, a notable coach on campus because someone in the media recently said, hey, BYU's got to recruit better players. And this coach said to this person close to me, said, I don't need better players. I just need more of them. What's your thought on that? Do you feel like BYU has good enough players? They just need more of them in the Big 12. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. If you, if you look at who Coach Judkins has had, he's had superstars one or two a year, right? Now he needs to get more of the superstars. And I think that proves that point to what was said is that he's got the Shaley Gonzalez. He's got the Lauren Gustins who are top players not only in their conference but in the nation and so now he needs to secure a few more of those right um maybe less role players and more superstars but the role players that he's had you need them too you absolutely need them but but you've also need a a couple more that are going to be able to help you compete in the big 12 so maybe another shayla yeah and now you're competing for a conference championship um which is exciting it's it's crazy i'm interested to see what the big 12 does with byu it's going to be awesome, but there's going to be some growing pains, right? Yeah. Um, which is what we're signing up for. We're signing up for the competition. We're signing up for the TV contract as well. Yes. But the access to the best. And do you think there are recruits that, in women's hoops specifically, aren't coming to BYU because of league affiliation if they want to play at the highest level who are members of the church? I don't have a good sense of this. Because in football and basketball, that was happening. Hey, Utah's in a Power 5 conference. Yes. Or... I'm going to go to Stanford or whatever. Um, you know, BYU gets Colin Chandler. Big 12 is a huge part of that. BYU being BYU is a big part of that, but it's different when you're saying we're playing XYZ versus we're playing in the Big 12. Right. So right. what's your thought on kind of women's hoops specifically? Well, if you look at Colin Chandler, that Big 12 opening up the door absolutely sold him. Sold him and Mark Pope and where he was going to use him in the future. But So if, now if you look at the women's side, um, how many recruits are they looking at that – 
have the capability to play in the Big 12 and be able to be those superstars. And it's going to just open up the doors, right? You know, my husband and I talk about this all the time. It's like, it's the difference of a job opening, opening up, and you don't have your master's, so you don't qualify for that job. Or you do have your master's and you, yeah, I hey, I'm, I'm fully qualified, right? And so to be able to have the recruits lined up, knowing not only do we play in a power five conference and we've got all this you know going in our favor but now we can go out and recruit and push that now we can go out and say these are where you're going to play this is what we foresee not only in our program but in the conference and we're playing some of the top teams in the nation and so it only opens up doors I think recruiting wise and we know BYU's always been limited because you're going after a particular right. not only athlete but you're going after a particular person and, and the way that they live their life and their morals and standards because you come to BYU it's it's not a place where you can just come and hang out and party the whole time and Wait, what? you have to live a certain way right you know <laughs> it really changed your perspective when you came here you had to get back in line with your <laughs> I had to get back in line yeah um are you saying I should get my master's was that yeah. what you were just no, saying no but because uh, I don't really want to I know <laughs> hey I don't have mine either but I've, no, I've thought about it so no more school for me I'm, I'm good that, that sounds hard yeah, I, I'm interested to see what happens in the next couple of years, and BYU will certainly be competitive. In certain sports, BYU will win the league right away. There's certain sports. Like women's vo- once Texas, BYU's going to compete with Texas in volleyball. Once Texas leaves, BYU's the best team in that league. Soccer's going to be real fun. I think soccer competes right away. Women's hoops will be interesting. I think BYU is going to be a top four or five teams when they have really good seasons. To win the league you got to have another Shaley or Lauren probably, right? You do. Men's hoops, you're hoping to go 500 in league. Yeah. And then you'll make the NCAA tournament. There, um, at the time of this recording, there are two teams that are five games below 500 in the Big 12 and are projected to be in the tournament because they had good non-conference, and they're four and nine. It's just different. It's very different. It's just yeah. different. The, you're, you're playing different caliber teams, right? It, Welcome it's a to big level. time yeah. sports. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at that and you go, well, how is particularly this woman's team going to be able to compete? Well, Lauren and Shaley are back. You know, they've got two more years, so they will have one year potentially in that Big 12 if they stick around. But, you know, those are two players that can compete at that level. Yep. Absolutely. 100 percent can yep. compete at that level. Now, can they go out and get other players and, or maybe some of these freshmen coming up? Can they evolve and develop into those key players they need to support those two players? I think they have a couple of them that can. Yes, and consider that an 18 and 13 regular season in a Power Five league is equal to 23 and eight in the WCC because you're going to play a bunch harder game in football. I'm saying initially make a bowl game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think other people, hey, we're going to compete for the title. I don't necessarily agree with that. <laughs> Every Week is going to be a big week, except for when you play Kansas. Yeah, absolutely. I th- and I, even I, then, they showed up and beat Texas last yeah. year. You know what I mean? That's where I think you're spot on where you say you, it's going to be growing pains. And not only are the athletes going to have to be patient and the coaches, but the fans are going to have to be patient. because That's an impossible test. Yeah, th- there is an adjustment <laughs> that's coming. And, you know, so there's a lot of excitement around yeah. it. But but don't jump off the bandwagon the, the minute maybe some games don't go our way. Yes. And, uh, again, I don't want to be in the crowd that's like, See, it's really hard. We signed up for this. We chose this. I don't like when people complain about things that they chose to do and then it's hard. It's like, you chose that. It's okay. It's all good. Let's go. Just It's a challenge that helps up. you be better, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that uh, you're, you're redshirting. That season happens. Now it's your time to play. 
Um, what were you proud of with your career? What did you love? What are some experiences that you kind of cherish and remember games, weird, crazy moments from your career? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fuzziness, right? You look back and I think first we'll tell you what it's happened. Like, which which game was that? That's right. But um, New Mexico, yeah, Wyoming, yeah. Who, who was that? yeah, Mountain West Conference tournament, you know, championships I played in, and obviously NCAA tournament that sophomore year, right? We were at Colorado and played in the, the NCAA tournament, started in that game, and and so there's a lot of moments that stick out on the court, but more so off the court, and just the friendships that you form. I'm I'm still wonderful friends with Aaron Thorne, and. Thorny was my teammate for a couple of those years, and she's one of the greats to play player. at BYU. And it's fun to see her success now with running her own AAU program out of uh, Nevada. And so she does a fantastic job. I just ran into her last weekend in Portland, and she's coaching her team out there. And, you know, and so I'm out there supporting my son as he's playing on a team. So it's really cool to still have the connections and, and to be able to pick up right where you left off. But off the court, we had a lot of fun memories and you know, we used to, um, Ashley Chamberlain at the time, we were best friends because we both redshirted the same year, that same year. And then we both played together. She was a year ahead of me. But um, we had these characters that we came up with, Maggie and Sarah, and we would talk in these funny voices because we're red shirts, <laughs> right? You're kind of bored. And, and so we'd talk in these funny voices. But fast forward to that sophomore year for me and we got the bright idea that it would be fun to just prank call Judd and, you know, act like we were two crazy fans that would follow them to the games. And so we'd do it from the airport. We'd call him from wherever he'd add us to the list and we'd have to apologize later that we couldn't make it, you know, and he thought that these were true fans, but we were, <laughs> we were make believe, uh, girls that Did were you say Maggie and Sarah? Maggie and Sarah. Yep. Which one were you? I was Sarah. Can you give me a taste yep. of the voice? Yeah. <laughs> We would lay on the airport floor two aisles away, and he'd be on the phone Only talking to us. two aisles away? Right, well, I mean, sorry, close? two rows away. Two rows yeah. away. Yeah, we were that close, and the rest of the team was all in on it, and he would be so serious about, you know, thank you for your support. Yes, I can add you to the list and have tickets for you. And He's a sight unseen guy, yes, isn't he? Yes, This is the second time. Yep. So yeah, I have never seen you, but sure, yeah. We we had some fun with that, <laughs> and a lot of stuff like that where you just you try to recall some of those memories that, you yeah. know. Well, well, forever live on because it just makes your season that much more fun. But so you're not doing the voice? Is no, that what you're doing? No, okay. it's, yeah, that's saved for my teammates. You know, oh. it's one of those things. Well, they told me that you'd do it, and so <laughs> no, they didn't actually. Okay, so um, your career ends, and then you go right into broadcasting at that point. Right into it. But let's rewind back to meeting Travis. How do you meet? Well, and, we, yeah. and how, how do you know? Like, oh, this guy's uh, this guy's cool. Yeah. Because so he is cool. He is I'm cool. I hung out with Travis. I yeah, really I, like him. I've looked out with Travis. So Travis, and a lot of people ask this because they hear a big Kozlowski name, right? And they go, Glenn oh, Kozlowski. Glenn, are you married to Glenn? And I go, no. Do you realize that he played in the 84 <laughs> National Championship team? And I'm not that old to be married to Glenn, you know? <laughs> uh, love Glenn. But uh, yeah, so Uncle Glenn. And so Travis and I met um, about a month after I arrived at BYU. He came to watch a woman's game after the men's game. So that was back when you, you kind of did it back-to-back, -back, right? So it was a Saturday, and the men played right before the women, and then the women what played. What time would they play? Well, I don't like remember. It was five at 3 o'clock and oh, then at like 5 o'clock. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it would have been later in the afternoon. But gotcha. he stuck around after to watch. And so um, at the time, he knew Aaron Thorne. He had played pickup with her, and he thought, well, let's, wa let's watch Lauren. I haven't seen her play, actually. And so stuck around to watch a couple other girls on the team that he knew because he went to Tempview, which is a Provo school. Um, so they stuck around, and at the time, 
you know, he's just watching the game. And George Curtis came down, got me off the court because I was red shirting. I'm fully dressed, you know, in yep. the street gear. Yep. Took me up to the stands. Doing your voices and the whole deal. Yeah, that's right. Took me up to the stands and said, hey, I want you to meet somebody. And so he introduced us right there. And it was kind of awkward because he's talking to some other girls. And, you know, I don't think he expected that's George. That's really awkward. Yes. I don't think he expected George to bring me up there, even though he was asking about me, you know, before that moment and said, who's that? The new girl, you know? And so George took the initiative to take me up there, introduced us. No phone numbers were exchanged. I couldn't remember his name, honestly, after that. I think I was a little, <laughs> I thought he was really handsome. You didn't um, DM him after? Yeah, that's right. And so he, he left the game a little early and I, you know, I, I didn't know sure how we would, you know, contact from there. And I mean, I was new. So there were a few football guys wanting to ask me out. And so Paul Warner at the time gave my number out to somebody. He was the academic advisor. Gave my number out, I think, to a couple other people on the football team. And and then eventually I went to go get taped. And George said, hey, Travis wants your number. And I said, oh, yeah, it's Travis. That's right. That's who it was. You know, Who's so, Travis? Oh, that guy. And so at that point, I think we went out a week later. And from there, we just kind of hit it off and hung out a lot. And um, two athletes that had a lot in common and – because he's on the football team. He was on the football team at the time. Yeah. yeah. So playing yeah. football as middle linebacker at the time. And so um, from there, hung out a lot and were engaged two months later and married six months later. So eight months from the moment you don't remember him. Yep. You get married. Yep. <laughs> That's fantastic. It went so fast. It it's, did. It's it goes a, fast at BYU. Listen, you were at Boise State. You transfer here. So are you saying this was like, what, Jan? January, February? When was this? So Travis and I met, yeah, at the end of January, went out that end first of week in February. So like September, you getting married? We got married in August. August. Yeah, quicker than that, even. In August? Yes, During August fall 23rd. camp, question mark? You know what? We didn't think that through, honestly, because <laughs> I was thinking, oh, like, we got to, you know, we either got to wait after my year, because you can't do it right during season, right? No, or, you, you know, maybe December, but it's right during season, and so... We got married August 23rd. It was before school started. It's like a week before the first game. August 23rd. And and what we've run into over the years, because now we'll, this year will be our 20th anniversary. Congratulations. We, we are on the week of where kids start school. There's football. I mean, you can't go, you can't anywhere. go anywhere. You, you can't cannot do anything. go anywhere. We didn't think that one through. So Whitney and I got married July 2nd. So we're always with her family. Fourth in of Oregon, July. Which is fun, but yeah. we never break away. Yep. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's funny. So think that what through. Year, what year is this? 2002. BYU on August 29th hosts yep. Syracuse and wins <laughs> by 21. <laughs> we, had, we had to hurry it up. So Yes, uh, hurry up offense. Yes. yes. I'm trying to see if, if uh, he played in the game and maybe had no, a No, he did not. So no. actually a, a crazy story before we ended up meeting, three weeks before we met, um, he was a big-time snowboarder, skier, um, used to teach at Sundance. So he's nice. up on the mountain with a couple friends and had a, a big collision with another skier that was out of control. Mm. So got knocked over, blacked out, Whoa. got up, and it was kind of shaking it off and said, no, I'm good, I'm good, let's do a couple more runs. They did another run or two, and, and he had gone off a jump and fell and completely blacked out. And so at that point, they're panicking. They can't get him to wake up. He was completely not responding to anything they were doing. And so they called in the emergency crews. They tried to life flight him off the mountain, which they couldn't because it was blizzard conditions. So they couldn't get the helicopter to land. Mm -hmm. So they ambulanced him up to the University of Utah, um, up to the neuro ICU unit, and um, started doing all kinds of tests on him. He was in a coma state at that time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so still hadn't woken up, hadn't responded. 
Um, and so they get him up there and, and they are prepping his parents by the time they get up there that he is brain dead. There was no brain activity. Yeah. And so his parents get there and, and are able to give a little bit more insight to who Travis is because the doctors were so puzzled on what would cause this, not knowing that he had taken a big hit at the time. And they just said, he, he's not male walk. He's not male talk. Like there's no brain activity at all. He's still in a coma state. We can't get him to respond to anything. And so his parents tried to get him to respond, could not get anything out of him. And he's hooked up to all kinds of tubes, just laying there lifeless at the time. And so they had asked permission from the doctors if they could give him a blessing, uh, LDS priesthood blessing. And they said, of course, go ahead. You know, I'd um, just kind of shrugging it off like that's not going to help, but do whatever you need to to try, you know. And so uh, the friend that was up on the mountain was one of Glenn Kozlowski's best friends, Steve Jensen at the time. And so Steve was able to give him a priesthood blessing with Travis's father, Richard. And um, after the blessing, kind of walked away a little bit. But Steve's eyes were attracted to Travis's. He was fluttering his eyes and kind of moving his head a little bit. And so immediately after that blessing, Travis woke up. And so he had been in a coma state for about eight hours by the time he blacked out on the mountain to that point. And his parents and then um, Carrie and Steve Jensen were the only ones in the room at the time. And Travis kind of stood up and started pulling all of his cords and everything off of his body and was very confused. Can't remember any of it. So this was three weeks before we met, you know, and, and so I had no idea at the time when, when we had met what, of course, after that, we had talked it all out, but um, pretty remarkable story, just a miracle of what, what happened there. And, you know, you talk to his mom and she just says, I'm in the room and can physically feel you know, his spirit kind of coming back to his body and, and Travis staying. And Travis does remember that part of the story that there was someone calling his name and he couldn't figure out who and he just mm. came back. And so he was one of the first ever to be able to walk out of that neuro ICU unit. They kept him overnight again, but he walked out and had a standing ovation with all the doctors and nurses walking oh out of the gosh. unit. Yeah, it's a, a very remarkable story. But that leads up to his time being cut short with football because— Was he done at that point? At that point, they told him if you—he had had concussions before, and they just yeah. said, look, if you if you have any more, we don't know that you'll come out of it at all. Right. And so th- it was a scary moment at that time. And he did play spring ball and went through spring ball, but talking with George and some of the other trainers, he just decided— I'm going to get married. I'm going to support my wife. And so did not continue after that. So there was no run into fall camp then because he's no, not playing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Did he, did he get a concussion? It was on the mountain. Is yes. that what? Okay. Yeah. Seems put obvious. Him into but a coma yeah. Sea. Yes. Okay. But he had never had anything. Had he had a, had a bunch of concussions? He before? had had a bunch of concussions. As a middle linebacker. If you know the Kozlowski family, you know that they are prone to concussions and just aggressiveness. Yep. And being a they middle linebacker, yep. he, yes, he had a lot of concussions leading up to that point through high school, through, you know, coming to BYU. So, yes, he had had multiple concussions before. And that, that I mean, it was a joint conversation with both of us saying, look, this, this is not worth it, you know, at this yeah. point, your future, let's, you know take the blessing you've received and move like, forward with life and, and that you're able to be here. And, and even after we met, there were moments where his parents couldn't give him the car keys because he struggled with some memory things and driving and things. And I would tease him and say, you, you can't drive tonight. Your parents took your keys, you know. And Did you not know the story? Or I you... didn't know the story until maybe the first, it was probably our first couple of dates. And then he had told me and, you know, because there were still some restrictions on, it was only a month fresh after that a injury. A month and, later, yeah, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so does he feel like he 
got a second chance here. Absolutely. Like, how does he approach this? Absolutely. Because that's insane. Yeah. And then to meet me within weeks after that, that was his second chance for sure. And, and you know, on, on a side note of that, they had to do all this this testing with a psychologist there, right? And so they go in and, and on a the IQ genius level score, if you get around 100, that's an average. And so they put him through all kinds of testing and he tested at a 130, which is way off the charts for a genius level. Mm. And the doctor pulled his parents in and, and said, did you know that your son is off the charts on a, a genius level with what I put him through? And they said, yeah, we knew that. We knew he got tested when he was younger. And Travis had to go to phonics class, extra tutoring classes because he, he struggled a little bit with speech. So I always thought he was a little bit slower than some of the kids. And But at the time, the doctor said, don't tell him. It'll restrict him. So let him fight through some of these challenges and don't ever tell him that he's off the charts so that he keeps pushing himself and... Don't you know, tell him. Yes. So they didn't tell him until they On had purpose. to, you know, after the accident. Wow. That's an, that's an interesting move not to tell him. Yeah. It'd be hard, right, as a parent yeah. to make that call and decide, you know. But I think they were trying to listen to the doctors. and Yeah. Yeah. So he's a genius. Yes. But I don't, I don't like to admit that. <laughs> and you don't want yes. to tell him either. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is an insane story. Yeah. I did not know yeah. that at all. Wow. So, um... You guys get married. It's August. You know, he's done. At this point, with that story and what you know, does that affect your lives in a certain way? You talked about, like, sometimes maybe you'd maybe drive over him or something. Yeah, initially I think it did because I was just trying to help him through remembering things. He had some short-term memory loss. Even when we were dating, couldn't remember stuff. And to this day, I'll tease him. I'll be like, oh, you just can't remember back then. This is how it went, and I was right, you know. Um, (laughs) And I was right. I was right. But but when you fast forward to when we got married, no, he was he was fully on board to supporting me. And, you know, I mean, he traveled to a lot of the tournaments we went to. And that's cool. He was so helpful to not only date an athlete, but be married to one and know like just the rigorous schedule. And, and he was helpful with anything through that, you know, with making meals if I need it, because I'm quickly getting back from training and going mm-hmm. to class or whatever. And so that was um really really nice to have him by my side through those three years so I finished three years playing my sophomore junior and senior year and um, he's been awesome supportive not only when I was an athlete but just with the broadcasting because it does take time to come and call games and away from the kids and our schedule's a little crazy we'll usually have four to five things a night running the kids around and so we just have to tag team it and you know make it work that's awesome one time at one of the WCC tournaments because I was down there with you at like 10 or 11 of them. The last two years, we haven't. We've Tyler and I have been here in Provo, which honestly I'm okay with. I've had, <laughs> been You've in had that arena. you had Vegas, so right? I'm good. You've well, been there. Well, specifically like the Orleans Arena. Yeah. Love it, but yep. it's just, you know. It's bittersweet. Well, here's the thing. Doing BYU Sen in the morning and all the games, it's, it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So I'm okay just getting buckets with Ty in the studio or whatever. But one time we went, I can't, what was the name of the restaurant? It, Serendipity. Serendipity. Yep, they had the best, biggest desserts that yes. you could find. We on hung strip. out, we yep. had dinner at Serendipity and dessert. It's like one of my favorite memories yep. of Vegas. It's, we used to go all the time. So it was good. tradition, right? And and Travis they, was there. And, and then they closed it down. I know, and we didn't know. We showed up and it was <laughs> yep. like, hey, what happened to Serendipity? <laughs> I know it's a movie, but yep. what the heck? Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Okay, so you get married. When, when, when do you have your first kid? Right after I graduated. I was pregnant oh, with Brody. Five? Yes. No, so I had him in December of 05. So graduated that April. 
and had so my you oldest. You played Brody. a couple months. Yeah, I played a month or two. First trimester. Yeah. 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 Did not realize I was pregnant at a, at a game out in San Diego. They mm. had to put me on IVs because I got really sick. Couldn't stop throwing up. Um, and, and so, yeah, found out soon after that that I was pregnant. And, and so, yeah, finished playing. And, you know, I mean, that was something we wanted right away. I wanted kids right away, but definitely wanted to finish my career. And, and so Brody came soon after that. And even before broadcasting, I had a month old baby once I started calling games. A month old. Yeah. Wow. Did you bring him to the game? No. 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 Kept him at home. Not until okay. he's older. They've been to plenty of games yeah. now that they're older. But I was going to say, that'd be challenging. Yeah. With nursing. Put some and headphones whatnot. on him, I guess. And, yeah. <laughs> Here, listen to, the bro- listen to mom call the game, okay? <laughs> this is going to be fun. Okay. And then uh, name the rest of your kids and how old they So are. Brody's my oldest. He's a sophomore. Um, yeah. And then I've got an eight. And, he, and by the way, he's crushing it. He's an amazing yes, player. Yes. He's an amazing player. There's certain player. things we can and can't say about perspective. Prospective student athletes, but he's sure. a kid. Yes, he's being recruited. He he's good. Recruited. He's a good player, yeah, which is he's exciting. He's a great player. He's he got a couple offers as a freshman, and so he's had offers already. He's just under six seven, and he's he puts in just under six yeah, seven. Yeah, so he's my oldest. Who knows where he'll finish? He's just he is the hardest worker, and not yeah. just on the court. You know, he's a four kid. He oh, just, that's awesome. He gets that from dad or mom. Uh, yeah, mom for sure. Right? <laughs> that's an easy one. No, he puts in so much time. Not only we we've really tried to push that academics and, and you know and like myself like at some point sports end you know and so you can't rely on that long term and yeah. obviously it's a avenue to be able to get maybe a scholarship and be able to play in college and he's definitely a d1 kid that can play he's already got a couple d1 offers but um so he's the oldest a sophomore at corner canyon high school and they've got a big game you know coming up this tomorrow night and so then my eighth grader jace um he's Football and basketball. Does a little bit of both. He's got a lot of Kozlowski in him. He's great on the football <laughs> field. Um, very strong kid. He's already 6'3". And wow. then I've got a, a son that's in fifth grade and one that's in third grade. And both those two also football and basketball. So they play a lot of sports as well. And and then we rounded off with our little girl. So we got a girl at the very end, and she's four now. And she likes to do dance. All things girl, all things dance, and Barbie and dolls and Something we're you got just, a girl at the end of the We're line. not accustomed to in our house. Yeah, all the dance. <laughs> but but it's been fun. She kind of softens everything with yeah. the rough house. You called a men's basketball game this year, and Travis brought all the kids to the game. Yes. I saw him in the stands because yep. Tyler and I wandered over and hung out in the stands for a little bit. What was that experience like for you? Because you certainly deserved that opportunity. Blaine couldn't make it, and you filled in. Like you always do on the women's games in an amazing way. It was I was super happy for you. Yeah, it was. What was it like for you? It was a great opportunity. I I got the call the day before and confirmed. Hey, Tyler can't make it. You you need to go for this game. I guess Blaine. Yeah, or sorry, Blaine couldn't go. And yeah. then another game. You another did game with Tyler. For That's Tyler. right. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, the first one I called was uh for Blaine and you know I I've obviously done my homework on the men's team and did, hadn't studied Westminster enough, so I had to kind of dive into that. And funny enough, uh, Norm Parrish, who is the coach at Westminster, a great guy. Talked to him when I went to shoot around, and he's in my brother's ward. My brother's the bishop. Mm. Like it was just, you know, he went to Viewmont, so it was kind of fun nice. to talk to him and and get that background. But it was a great experience for me, and I think not only to feel justified that I'm good enough, you know, and but to have that confidence that hey, I can go do this, and this is something, yep. you know, because I've done the women's for so long, and yeah. I've done men's volleyball, and I've done you know studio stuff, but. When you're out there calling that men's game and it's just kind of thrown right there with that opportunity, I think it was it it was a good, you know, space to be in after just feeling like a little bit more confidence going yeah. forward. No, and then you it. and then I think a week or two later where Tyler couldn't go um, yep. for the studio show and and doing that 
uh, pre-game, halftime, and then yep. post-game show. So I was calling volleyball. Otherwise, we would have Yeah, it would have been us again, but yep. it was uh, Shep. So Jason Shepard and I yep. called that one. I So I got the call to go on air for that one four hours before. Yep, that's fine. When Tyler was sick. and We yeah. had a little phone call. Yep. Hey, X, Y, Z. Yep, yeah. yep, you'll be fine. You're good. <laughs> you got to just roll with it, right, at that point and, and be able yes. just to fill in quickly. And, you know, I think in what I've done for so long, I've proven that I can do that. And so going and calling that yeah. one as well with Portland, it was it was fun. It's just nice when you're ready and then you get an opportunity, yep. right? Yeah. Because cer- certainly you've done a tremendous job with, with women's hoops. The exposure of the men's game, I wish it was similar, but it's more, right? And you just stepped into that limelight and made a bunch of buckets, if you will, as the analyst. It was great. The women's hoops team continues to get better here. And I've looked at our numbers. They've gone way up. A lot of that has to do with, I think, the team being successful, but also the personalities in this program. Um, It's been really fun for them to sort of get their time in the sun that they absolutely deserve. Yeah. You you look at what social media has done for Mm -hmm. the sport and particularly BYU women's basketball. I mean, TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. I mean, all across the board, it allows you to have a more intimate relationship with the athlete that you didn't have back when I played. You just didn't have those things. Yeah. You know, you'd have to show up in person and watch these players to get to know them. And there wasn't a ton of opportunities to talk to them after the game, or maybe you could get an autograph signed or something, but you didn't form those bonds like you can away from the court through social media. And that's exactly what's been happening and the transition that, that we've seen that's allowed, I think, the excitement around the women's game. I mean, Shaylee Gonzalez and Paisley Harding, they, they Shaylee, I believe, she has like... It's like 200,000 yeah, 200, combined followers on, on TikTok all yeah. and Yeah, I mean, go down yeah. the list on She's their YouTube videos. And yeah. same with Paisley Harding. She's yes. done a fantastic job star. of just keeping that up. Because everybody wants insight into... Your life is a college athlete, and that's what they do so well. Yes. You know, and they show the fun, and they it's entertaining, and, and they show kind of a dive in deep of what what it's like in the life of an athlete. And so it's been really cool to watch. I wish it was around back when we did it because Maggie and Sarah would have killed it back then. You know, <laughs> would have absolutely killed it. What did they sound like again? I can't remember. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. I feel like this year more than most. Um, and again, when you win, you get noticed. Yes. Um, Michaela Coulihan. Cameron Tucker, women's soccer. Kenzie Kerber, women's volleyball. Um, you know, Whitney Orton from cross country. Courtney Wayman from cross country and track. Uh, Shaley Gonzalez, Paisley Hart. These are first-class names in BYU athletics that I think a lot of the fans know, which is super awesome. It's not just football and some men's basketball and what else is going on. I think BYU fans get it, and I think they appreciate the – holistic, amazing athletic program that's here that's prepared to go to the Big 12 and compete. It's pretty cool. And I didn't feel that until this, uh, kind of this year where BYU really succeeded. Uh, Spencer and I made the argument that this is the best sports season in BYU history, given right. Olympic sport, national championships, runner-up in soccer, right, volleyball, right. Sweet 16, men's basketball, what it was doing, football, 10-plus wins, women's hoops, da 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 da, da. I think this is it. I mean, you can argue a couple other years, but this is pretty good. Right. And what you're seeing with the social media and being able to portray the team, it magnifies the excitement around what they're doing on the field, on the court, on, you know, on the track. Because when you're winning and you're successful, but you can actually get that out there on social media and Twitter, and not everyone can come watch a track meet, not everyone can go watch a volleyball game. So you're able to push that. 
that's where the excitement really is magnified, right? And then you've got the NIL that's kind of opened up things mm-hmm. for players, and it's just putting them on, on a different level. It's pretty cool, and you're exactly right. Like the old adage, if you if a tree falls in the forest um, but no one's around, doesn't exactly. make a sound. It's like, well, it made a sound on the BYU TV app or BYU TV because we broadcast that game probably. Yes, um, but not at, enough, right? And social media, yeah. Now it's being heard. Maybe these uh, trees were falling, if you will, previously, but th- there was no one around, right? There was yep. no TV broadcast on those uh, women's games. It's been fun to see that evolve as well because I feel like BYU's athletic program is amazing. I feel like the women's specific angle of this is even better than men's right now. Like the women's teams are so good and so um, easy to root for and get to know. So it's pretty cool. They, it's it's pretty cool. They hook you pretty early. If you just come and watch and, you know, obviously I'm so involved with the women's yeah. basketball team. So let's yeah. use them as an example. But if you come watch, they're exciting to watch. It's not this slow path, you know, let's just skip the ball around, pass a lot of fluff that you think about. And or it used to be, right? They're so physical in there. They, they're running a fast-paced game. It's exciting to watch. And it's exciting for some of these younger players to look up to and then a lot of people that just enjoy basketball coming out to watch and getting to know the girls on the team. We've seen Vern Law forever here, mm-hmm. 1960 Cy Young Award winner. Danny Ainge is a regular at the women's basketball games. It's pretty cool to see the sport. He's Yeah, uh, he's been year. coming to a lot of them. He lives here now, of course. Makes it a little easier. He's yeah. here local, um, working for the Jazz, but he's a Utah County guy. He's nearby. Yeah, I saw Ryan Smith at a couple games this year Absolutely. sitting right by Danny Ainge. Always good to have a billionaire the in the house, yep. you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm not too many have wandered in this building, yes. I don't think, yeah? Um, okay, so you you haven't just done you know broadcasting for us. You've done some elite eights. You've done some NCAA tournaments. I have. Yeah, um, three, four now. How many? Yeah, I'm, you're five now with Westwood One. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've been rewarded for the amazing work with BYU TV, which has been cool. And then you kind of rep us. You go there and we're like, hey, Kristen's killing it. What's that been like to do radio and non BYU games in massive matchups in the NCAA tournament? Oh, it's it's been awesome. And, you know, it's funny how that opportunity opened up. It was a game that we were calling. It was BYU versus Portland, and it was, gosh, 2015. And, and my boss right now with Westwood One, Howie Denneroff, he was watching the game only because – the channel was stuck on BYU TV. <laughs> and he told me like this story. Hotel or he something? said, no, his daughters were clicking through the channels at home and it got stuck on BYU TV and he couldn't, whether the remote, you know, battery went out or whatever it was, it just got stuck. And he heard me calling the game at the time, was kind of in, in a transition looking for another analyst. And so reached out immediately to the BYU Broadcasting Department and, and got my information. And so that's how that developed out of that. And, you know, that door opening because. His channel changer was stuck on BYU That's TV. That's amazing. But, um, so, yeah, the, the first games I went out and called, I mean, uh, awesome. I mean, Lexington Regional. I went to Lexington, Kentucky. And, oh, nice. Yeah, and so I've, I've called some big games. Last year I was in San Antonio, and obviously we were in that bubble, more bubble atmosphere where everything was in one location. Yeah. And so Did you Indiana versus – no, no kidding. weight room. A lot of controversy Yeah, there. that's right. Uh, but it was, let's see, I called Indiana, Arizona last year. So familiar with Arizona. Arizona. Because they, yeah, had – beaten BYU in that second round and so called that game also called uh Texas South Carolina so I've called some pretty big games Oregon Notre Dame game Stanford Notre Dame season before it's uh it's been a great experience just eye-opening I think at the level of um college athletes that are out there and mm-hmm. coaches I mean just coaches that have been in the game and highly respected coaches for yeah. a long time Gino Ariema, Muffet McGraw 
Kelly Graves, who's a friend of mine, because he was at Gonzaga for a while, and we just stayed yep. in contact because I did um, play against him when I was yeah. an athlete. But, Former um, Rex College. Yes, yeah. yes, right. No, but no, no, no. Um, So it's it's been really fun to experience that. I've worked with a lot of different play-by-play guys, a lot of different producers. Uh, I think it only helps me, you know, to just continue to develop my talent and just get better as a broadcaster and be able to keep doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for you. That's so cool. You deserve it, Absolutely. Yeah, in the last couple of years, you know, a few years ago, yeah, like you mentioned, you were doing all kinds of sports. Yep, yeah. We knew you'd be prepared. Like, one of the things that you do so well is you just prepare great. I'm, like, a, I'm a bit of an over-preparer, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I'm with you, though. It's like, my comfort level, though. That's how I am yes, ready, and yeah. I feel like if you're not prepared, that you, one, don't respect the game or the broadcast, and two, that you're only as good as you are prepared, right? Sure. We're not here to wing it. We're here to prepare for the game. And it's, you know, you know I'm not uh, as good of an athlete as you, but, like, I want to compete against my, my best standard, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Of, like, how good can I be at this? How yeah. timely can I be with this? How well can I set you up? What can I learn from you describing something? Um, it's awesome. And that's been an adjustment for me because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I used to walk away from a game just beating myself up going, oh, mm. why did I say that? Why did I do that? Right. But as, as it's evolved and as I've gotten better at, you know, being a little nicer to myself, I, I can take a game, rewatch a game if I have to, or just know kind of some of the things I'd like to improve and then try to focus on that the following game and continue to do that. So it, it is it's similar to being an athlete where you're studying the game and you're trying to improve upon what you did in the last game, essentially scouting yourself and then trying to make those improvements. You Not many analysts make their own board. Play-by-plays do yeah. almost always. Yes. I, I've, I only know of maybe one that doesn't, but everybody shows up with a board. I have my own board, right? It's based yeah. on stuff Greg's given me, Aaron Goldsmith from Fox and the Mariners. Like those two are the influence of my board, and then I've kind of made my own at this point that I'm tweaking constantly. You make a board. I do make a board. You want to be able to reference yes. that stuff. Yeah. People have notes, but like you organize it. I organize it. I color coordinate it. I have it all right where it's supposed to be in terms of their height, their year, their shooting percentage, what they did in the last game, where they're from, maybe some key information about them. I, for me, I just feel like it helps me to know right where it's at all the time. And yes. not that you're going to cover everything on that sheet, right? But, but when you need it, but when you need right it, there. it's there. And, and yeah. it helps me. It, you know, my job is to paint a picture of who these athletes are, their team, you know, give the audience a firsthand look at inside what, what these athletes are doing and where they're coming off of a good game, a bad game, and what's going on and try to paint that picture. I can tell how old someone is just by looking at their board. Oh, if yeah. it's if it's handwritten, oh yeah, <laughs> we got a few handwriters. If it's in our... <laughs> younger, it is Typed electronic. Up. Yep. Yeah. Do you use Excel for yours? I do. do you use? Yeah, nice. I still use Excel. Yeah, I have evolved from Excel to Pages to InDesign. I'm oh, just so you're evolving. Well, See, I'm, I got to catch up or devolving. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I don't like this. I want to do this. Yeah. But when I change formats, it's totally different, right? It's like, ah, start from it's scratch. It's hard to adjust. But kind of fun to start from scratch, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But anyway. Okay, well, Kristen, this was fun. Uh, you do such a good job. We're super lucky to have you at BYU TV. And uh, thanks for sharing your story and your family story. Well, thank here. you. I appreciate it. It's awesome to be here. I've been, been very blessed to work with some greats like yourself and just be here at BYU Broadcasting. Well, thanks. Okay, that'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found for Kristen Kozlowski and producer Trent Reimschusel, I'm Jerem Jordan. You've just listened to Deep Blue on BYU Radio.